You're listening to. And hey everyone, welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's episode 57 uh, for Thursday, May the 27th, 2021. We are in the last days of APA Heritage Month. Thank God, or Buddha, or something, since we're in APA Heritage Month. Uh, joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days uh, and our APAM, uh, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew. Yes. She's tired, Marvin. We've made it. Actually, you haven't made it yet. Almost. I've almost. made it. I finished Yeah, big... how was that? Congratulations. Thanks. I spent Sunday just not doing anything, and it was great. Oh, isn't that the best? And then I spent Monday putting off doing stuff till the night because I wasn't ready to go back to work yet. Hey, you know what? You're a freelancer. You're your own <laughs> boss. Also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Wen. Hey, Han. Hey, I totally feel you about doing nothing. That was my week off. It was doing nothing. Besides being sick from the vaccine, it was doing nothing. Um, I read books. It was great. I sat outside to read books. That was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jess, you're not home free yet. You still got... You You work for an actual professional Asian... Asian organization. organization. So I feel like, you know, honestly, it's AAPI Heritage Month every month, which is usually great. But when the outside world also, like, when corporate America, you know, says you only exist in one month, you gotta... You gotta get that money. It's like mm-hmm. it's like you know how bears have to eat a lot of salmon before they hibernate to get through the winter. It's like the like like nonprofit industrial complex version of that. Mm. You gotta eat a lot of salmon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've explained this to people this way. It's, to us in this space, Asian representation, Asian diversity is important all twenty four seven because it's 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 our lives. But for some reason, in the month of May, the things we do suddenly have value. Yeah, people are suddenly willing to either seek it out and sometimes even pay for it. And so we just got to, I mean, as mercenary and capitalistic as it is, we just got to eat this month. We got to eat. We, we got to eat the rest of the, we got we to gotta stock up on that salmon. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Fill up on those fat reserves. Store the nuts in the tree, you know, whatever other hibernating animals do. Yeah. Like, yeah. And in my job, it's like someone asked me also, like, do we need to do extra? And I'm like, well, I kind of cover a lot of it when I accept <laughs> pitches and the things we cover. But I was like, if you want to do extra, you sure can. I'm not. I'm not stopping you. Yeah. <clears throat> I also officially hired an Asian, and I think hey. that is very yes. Hey, pay that it forward. Count. Pay it forward. It's cra- it's wild to like think about how I think this is how our parents or people older in this feel is like. I don't exactly feel old but there is a whole generation under me now that are adults which is wild this is where the term geriatric millennial has been coming in (laughs) which which i think is interesting is when you're starting to feel a little bit older just because you see the people who are up and coming after you Uh, whereas i've felt that for at least 10 years now so (laughs) i also think because like the trend cycles are much shorter now like things are just coming back faster which is like also kind of like a mind trip when it's like you were there for the first time and like i think millennial some like at least my level of millennial like we're experiencing that for the first time we're like why (laughs) does everybody want it to be 2007 again like 
I remember 2007. Yeah. It wasn't great, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're, I think you're right when it, you're saying that the trends circle back faster because when it comes to like the 80s, I don't remember that coming back as soon as 2007 came back for you. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like, you know, Y2K 2000 stuff is like real hot right now. And I'm like, yeah. But I, I remember, I remember the first time. 80s nostalgia was, I want to say, Five years ago, like Stranger Things time, that was 80s yeah, nostalgia, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 1989, Taylor Swift's album. Like the music was very synthy, and now it's like we're already in like the early 2000s. Now like we're mid- in like Good Charlotte, Hot Topic. We, we are, yes, yes. I saw some people rock some hill figures the other day. Like I'm waiting for you know those stud belts to come back. <laughs> when yeah, they come I, back, I'm just gonna like go. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna put on my puffy vest put on my visor and call it a day walk around in the park with my hands behind my back call it a day i still have some yeah i still have some of my clothes that i haven't given away and i was like maybe i can just wear my giant platform uh sandals again (laughs) and my um i think i had uh uh cargo shorts uh cargo (laughs) shorts i love my cargo shorts nautica everything nautica the striped when t-shirt. The, when the Henley with the lacy camis underneath oh comes back, I'm, I'm. <sighs> baby tees are back. I saw a couple baby tees the other day at Costco. Well, baby tees are just a crop top by another name, but <laughs> yeah, like very specifically the cami layering. You know, yeah. that I was like a big that. moment for me in high school and the little plaid shorts. I, I will laugh plaid when shorts. like AE comes full circle again because AE started with that like preppy aesthetic, and then they had to like. <laughs> change to meet like new demand and if it has to go back to its original like aesthetic i'm like oh god oh (laughs) anyways uh that is to say man time is relentless and i am slowly coming to terms that i am not a young person anymore just now marvin just now just you can still play all these years of hanging out with me (laughs) i'm still young i just like throw my back out a little easier than I used to. But no, I'm still young. I'm on TikTok. I figured it out. I'm I can be cool. <laughs> I can be cool. That's exactly what a that's exactly She insists. I can be cool. She insists. The fact that you're saying that means you're well on your way. Welcome. Join us. Anyways, uh it's the end of the month, so that means it's time once again for our monthly Asian American entertainment news roundup. Do we want this? Uh, but before we get to the news, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this week. Jess, what's popping? Um, if you've been living under a rock or you are above the age of, I will say, maybe like 35, Olivia Rodrigo released her debut album, Sour, um, in this past week. And it is a banger. Holy shit, it slaps. No skips. Every song is great. Um, every song... Sounds like a song we've heard before, and I mean that in the best way possible. And I am I am 14 again. I am 14 again and full of teenage girl <laughs> angst. There's been a lot of great memes and like Twitter culture around the release of Sour. It's just good. And you know, shout outs, she Asian. We're gonna, you know, she's ours. We're claiming her. Um, and she also like performed on SNL, killed it. So she's having a good week, and I'm having a good week because she's having a good week. And oh my god, I don't know if you have listened to it. I only you. know that one song they play every ten minutes on Driver's Top 40. License. Yeah, 
Okay, that's like not even the best song. I mean, it's good, but there's great <laughs> shit. Like Deja Vu is my favorite song off that track. Um, good For You is definitely like just Misery Business version two. There's a lot of Taylor in this. There's a lot of Taylor Swift. There's a lot of Lord. There's some Avril, some like even like Lindsay Lohan um, sprinkled in. Um, I saw some really great you know, comments on Twitter where, you know, it, it's really hit with millennials. I think maybe harder than it is to, to, uh, you know, I think this is what it felt like for our parents when bands we listened to, um, uh, got their inspirations from bands they listened to. What, 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 what artists would you say that is true from? Mm. Cause I feel like there was a, like a distinct, like youth, like teenage music. Like I was listening to like, Avril, you know, like my parents were not into that. <laughs> but uh, with Olivia, like someone on Twitter was like, you know, millenn- like it just shows you that millennials relate to this because millennial men ain't shit from four- se- whether they're 17 or 47. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Same feelings, right? Josh is going to Josh. And I feel that's very true. Also, feel like general like arrested development for millennials. Like we have not just been able to progress into the next natural to, state of adulthood. To be because- fair, though, um, ever since like I graduated from college, we've been hit with economic crisis after economic crisis. Plus oh yeah, Trump. no, exactly. So we we are definitely in arrested development, and that is why this still hits so hard. I also think like post Taylor. Because Taylor Fearless was like 2000 and um, like late 2000s, early 2010s. And I think Fearless really legitimized and Taylor Swift herself really legitimized like that perspective as a music genre. And because, you know, like when we used to listen, when I used to listen to like Avril or Hillary, Hillary Duff, right? Like that was like denigrated. And now it's like, oh, like this is a very like, yes, teenage girl feelings are valid. And honestly, <laughs> it's just so good. Like there's so many good burns in this onto herself to like the dudes. Um, she does a pretty good job of not falling into like the misogyny trap where you blame the other woman. It's like the anger is usually directed at the dude, which is great or herself, which is great. You laugh, you'll get mad. Um, Again, I am 14 again. And this <laughs> no one would touch me in high school with a 10-foot pole, and I'm feeling that again, and I'm going to go cry in the corner now it and then be mad. It did take me a while to come to realization that the driver's license song is not about a dead boyfriend, but an ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my God. Marvin. 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 Um, Marvin. Well, because if you only know it from the hook, you know, you can misconstrue that. You, He's you dead to her. To album. Get to your inner, like, 14, 15-year-old teenage girl angst. Um, it is, yeah, it's very good. Every song is good. She's this generation's Taylor. Maybe, you know, yeah. not as, maybe not, I mean, we haven't seen more of her. We don't know, like, her, like, writing abilities. Because mm-hmm. um, it does... And again, I don't mean this as a bad thing, but it is reductive in that she's not necessarily creating a new sound yet. But like first album, she's fucking 18 years old. You know, she's getting out of the Disney machine. Yeah. We love it. Can't wait. Olivia Rodrigo's stance. I don't know what I think they're called Livies. I'm a Livy. <laughs> like, let's do this. I think Livies are just millennial women and gay men. And it's that's usually the best cohort of like music fans to be in, personally. <laughs> <laughs> but Han, what's popping with you? 
Uh, so I did listen to that album and I do agree that it's very enjoyable. I like Brutal because it has sort of a pop punk sensibility. I love anything sort of post-punk, neo-punk. Um, but I've been reading um, since I'm not 14 again, but I read like a 14 year old. <laughs> um, so I've been reading another YA book that actually comes out June 1st called uh, Sunny Song Will Not Be Famous. Sunny Song Will Not Be Famous by Suzanne Park. And um, it's basically a teenager who is a social media influencer. She has big plans for her summer. She's going to finally become the girlfriend of her crush. Raphael Kim, and she's going to in- increase her her follower count to something, something, I can't remember, um, and something else. Um, but after a mishap with her vlog, um, her live vlog, so live is the key here, um, she gets in trouble, and um, she's already kind of been on a, a, a uh, warning from her school that she's been on social media too much um, because even though she has been pre, you know, scheduling her tweets and such, they still go on during school hours. And so that's making the other parents feel like she's not paying attention and got her in trouble. But anyway, so this big thing that happens, I'm not going to give it away, um, gets her really a bit in big trouble and to the point where her parents ship her off to digital detox camp. Um, for all the other influencers <laughs> who need a life also. It's in Iowa. It's actually not quite a camp, but it's a camp slash farm. So she is going to be training butter, shearing sheep, um, let's see, milking cows. Maybe she can like, you know, paddle canoe and learn some archery, but it's like very and there's of course no Wi Fi. So uh it's pretty much the worst thing in the world for her <laughs> um besides the fact being away from her friends for the summer and having to do manual labor um around animals that some of them who she's allergic to um but of course she learns things um she makes some friends some enemies uh she meets a cute guy um and all this other stuff that's i thought it was very enjoyable what i kind of liked about it was that um it wasn't as annoying as I thought. It, I, I hate to say that, but you know, like anytime people write about social media influencers, I think it can come off as very like glib and superficial. And they gave her just enough, you know, personality and like integrity to make it like she likes this, but she values it because that's what society values. And so, um, but she is introspective enough to, you know, understand the things that she's missing out on once you know the kind of the camp gets gets to her so i mean this type of story is pretty it's a story that's been used in a lot of YA fiction right the this is the year i glow up and then <laughs> the immediate like social humiliation um and isolation and then like the finding yourself again right like yeah yeah cadet yeah. kelly yeah <laughs> yes ah love cadet kelly um what i like about this is it is an own voices uh book and so she talks about getting all these care packages with um great korean snacks yeah uh and she also talks a little bit about how uh sunny the character is kind of rejected learning korean um even though she learned a little bit but then she kind of just forgot a lot about it and so every time she sort of speaks it with her family she feels very embarrassed um because she doesn't feel like it's up to par even with her sisters you know um abilities and then of course 
who knows, you know, when she goes to camp, she meets someone who actually lived in Korea and um, knows Korean, but is not even ethnically Korean. So it, <laughs> it, it, it becomes a funny thing. Um, so that that influencer does the uh, mukbangs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. But anyway, like I would, I would love a, I would love a sequel of this. And Suzanne Park is a great author. This, I think, this might be her third or fourth book. Um, I know two others she wrote. Her first book was um, Escape Room, which I believe is kind of like a, um, what was that? What was that movie about working at a carnival in the summer? The Kissing one with booth? like Kirsten Stewart. Yeah, the one with Jesse Eisenberg. I think Adventureland. Adventureland. Yeah, ah. it's basically that but with Asian characters uh, and oh. escape room. And the other, the second one's called Loathe at First Sight, which is about uh, the main character is a Asian female who works at a game development company. And it's like enemies to lovers story. So. Uh, yes. Um, I, yeah, I've been really into all of these uh, Asian YA authors. They, they've been fulfilling a need that I did not, <laughs> you know, get met when I was younger. And they've been doing it in such a wide variety of ways. That is very inspirational for me as a budding, you know, write, writer, yeah, um, creative writer. So yeah, I've been I've been loving it. So I'm glad I I will have to check out those other books by her. Yeah, check those out. So Marvin, what's popping with you? All right. So like I mentioned this weekend, I had a big ass event. So Sunday, I didn't really want to do anything that um I didn't want to do anything. So I started playing this game that I uh, learned about from a podcast I listened to called 100 Days. It's a management simulation game <laughs> um, where you run a vineyard. Sorry, you wanted to take a break from logistics <laughs> and management. So you played a video game where you logistically manage something. <laughs> Bro, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine because this game... Literally um, sucked out four hours of my life. Just it just sat down and just played four hours. It's not like a micromanaging type of management sim. You play as this like you you run a vineyard and you're trying to grow grapes to make um, to make wines. And the way you play is you have this grid in front of you, and each task is in the shape of like a Tetris block. And each period you like arrange the Tetris blocks together so you can do like multiple tasks like weeding or harvesting and like. You know, pressing the grapes and all that stuff. Um, so it's a pretty relaxing game. It's you know you play at your own pace. There's no really stress. And there's no real way to lose except if you lose all your money. But then you start over. It's fine. <laughs> um, so each year is made up of four seasons. Each seasons is made up of five days if you play it through. And then you're just going through and you slowly build up your winery. You increase your vineyards. You like you design your labels for your wines and like the name Ooh, you that name sounds it. fun what um, did you name your wine i named my wine after after musical terms so it's like sonata aria wow <laughs> so how much would your wine retail for in a trader joe's um i think mines go for about 25 dollars a bottle oh you bushy you're that's fucking expensive hey, but Marvin? they're rated my wine's now rated 100 so i've gotten i've gotten to the point where like i make a bomb chardonnay and it took me forever because, you know, as, as you make your wines, you, you're, you're adjusting yeast levels. You're like ferment a certain way using different yeasts. And I was like trying to figure out how to make my wine sweeter. I'm like, I, I can't get it up to three sweet. I, three sweet levels is the sweet spot for Chardonnay. And I can't get it past two. And I realized what I was doing wrong. I was harvesting my grapes too early. Uh, because... Yeah, you gotta ripen on the vine. <laughs> Marvin, I don't like Chardonnay. Can you make like a Pinot or like a like a... 
like a cab. Oh, I have, I have, um, I'm more yeah. full bodied reds too. Yes, so I like the full bodied. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's available on Steam. It's a, uh, it's twenty five dollars. Um, it's a pretty casual game, pretty relaxing game to play. Um, you learn a lot about making wines, which is cool too. Um, it's by Broken Arms Games, and it's available now. So. If any of that sounds interesting to you, or if you're interested in this type of game, it's it's a uh, fair warning. It is the type of game where you just want to play one extra round every single time, and, <laughs> and so like that one extra hours round becomes, have passed. Yeah, exactly. So no, oh man, I'm in the throes of like Pokemon Snap right now, so <laughs> I can't take another one on. But like maybe later, maybe later. Yeah, check that out. And before we go, we got to check in with our Go Asian segment, um, where we um, keep track of what's going on with Top Chef. Um, this past week was Restaurant Wars, and our Asians did pretty well. I was so happy because it was a half Asian, half Latinx um, restaurant group or team, and they were so beautifully smart about how they created the concept. For the restaurant, first of all, they represented both groups, Asian and Latinx, within the menu. But then also, brilliantly, they were like, hey, Shoda, you know, like, what can you tell us about, like, the Kaiseki menu sort of, like, progression? And that's how they decided which course came after the other. Yeah. I mean, this year's restaurant was because they couldn't do an actual restaurant. They just, they decided to do Chef's Table, which is an experience that I have not been able to partake in ever because... I am no baller. Oh, we got to change that. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think, yeah, I think we should all get together and do one somehow. (laughs) Let's go to uh, Inaka, right? That's the place to go? Yes, exactly. Like, I've been wanting to forever. I'm down. No, we don't even need an occasion. Let's just go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're alive. That's the occasion. I love that in this challenge, um, the the people that we root for were on the same team and on the team that won. It's your classic restaurant war setup where you have one team with like probably better bona fides, but the other team just worked better together, right? Oh, there was, yeah, the other team, I'm sorry, like there were some people I even like, like Sarah, I love on it, but they were from the start, every time they're like, yeah, we don't need a leader, right? Everyone, and I was like, oh, that's just no, gonna spell no, trouble. That's, that's oh, and you she even Sarah, Sarah even said it like the teams who don't have a strong point of view, who do global perspective, like always lose. And they're like, yeah, but we're still gonna do it. <laughs> the problem was that while everyone on that team sort of wanted to do that, she didn't, but she didn't speak up either. So that was also on her. It's such um, a microcosm, just working. Like all of us have worked in teams before, and we all know. Like the reason this team failed was because no one was willing to. No one stepped up. No one stepped up to be the leader. It's 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 always annoying to be the squeaky wheel, and I've had to be that person before. I've done it on a jury. Um, (laughs) I've done that on. Yeah, I've done that on a team, uh, a work team of teachers or, or wannabe teachers. Because I took a class that was for elementary education, and because I wanted to read children's literature, and the these upcoming teachers were bad in my group <laughs> because they didn't want to speak in front of the class. And I'm just like, what? Uh, and they're like, well, you know, when I have a class, it'll be kids, and I'm like, the kids are gonna eat you alive. These fellow students of yours are gonna be nice, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. it's 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 annoying to speak up, but if something important is on the line, you better speak up. Yeah. The food looks so good though. Like I would <gasps> eat every one of those dishes. The hot pot, the the lengua sando, like looks so good. It was I hope they make this 
as a pop-up for real because <laughs> it looked amazing. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I was so hungry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, um, it's always a good restaurant wars when the people you like do well in it. Right. It's because restaurant wars has also been the one to send home a lot of favorites back in the day. Oh, yes. Oh, that was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Always sad. I mean, they brought back Chris, Kirsten, right? For that yeah. re- very reason. <laughs> yeah. But yay, go Asians. Yeah. They're go doing Shota, great, baby. Go, go all the way. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we're going to go over some of the latest entertainment news with our Do We Want This segment. Stick around. Kim? Steve? Where have you been? We haven't seen you for seven years. Has, has it been that long? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. Pla- what training? What plan? The, 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 the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, but there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're going to watch a good drama this time from 2020 called Itaewon Class, a story about starting a restaurant and a dish that Koreans love called Revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juke. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we are at the end of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And that means it's time once again for our monthly news roundup segment, Do We Want This? Um, where we go around the table bringing up recent Asian American entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this. Um, I don't know if it's a lighter week. I just feel like a lot of news were, was drowned out because it's AAPI Heritage Month. Um, and everyone's doing panels and conversations. But there were some really big announcements and some big trailers coming out. I guess we can start out with the biggest trailer to drop this week. Um, Han, what's our first piece of news? It is the trailer for Eternals. Woo! Super excited about this. Besides the fact that it's going to be uh, one of the first Phase 4 um, projects uh, apparently, you know, like the TV shows count, you know, first. But um, this is by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao. Um, <laughs> I'm and surprised it, um, they didn't include that in the trailer. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're just going to start doing a series of them, maybe, mm. to play it up. But, uh, you know, they have like, you know how they have s- multiple trailers for like a, a really big movie and they do one that's a different point of view. So that's maybe. true. Um, but, uh, so yes, the director is Chloe Zhao and, um, starring Asians, um, alongside some Game of Thrones people, there are some really good Asians, including, um, in a central role, not even just like in an ensemble role, but I feel like a very central role is, uh, Gemma Chan. Yeah. Is she the main character? I think she She is. She seems like the main character, right? I mean, the the trailers definitely cut to make her look like the main character. Yeah. So which is wild because she already, this is her second 
Marvel character in the MCU, right? Yeah, well, she was blue, and they didn't realize that she was going to be such, you know, cast in the other movies. So obviously, it's fine. We'll forget about that. Yeah. So, you know, Marvel uh, head honcho or whatever guy, Kevin Feige, did confirm that she's basically the main character of the ensemble. When you watch the trailer, you definitely see her in a central position, um, uh, getting romanced or romancing uh, one of the Game of Thrones guys who I actually both prefer this one. Both of them, actually. I can't tell which one is which sometimes, oh. so I'm always confused. Especially because yeah. they both have like the short hair right now in this movie. I'm like, they were. Confused. Here's the thing. I don't confuse them, but they were definitely cast on Game of Thrones as looking similar for a reason because they were playing half-brothers. Um, well, one has a beard and one doesn't, and she does yeah. smooch both of them. Or does uh, she smooch? I don't know if she smooches both. I of have them. to watch it again, but I definitely prefer Richard Madden, aka Rob Stark. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the, the so, gray uh, streak is very sexy. That's who she's ending up with. Well, wait, we don't know. Well, we haven't oh. seen this movie. <laughs> we ha- we don't know how it ends. Um, but anyway, and then there's uh Camille Nanjiani who oh he looked good in the trailer. He's like yes. not in it for a lot of it, but homie looks good. Yeah, <laughs> but this is also why I'm saying there's gonna be other trailers because. Honestly, they even called this a teaser. So they're probably <laughs> going to have an actual trailer, you know, rolling out soon that will have a bit more plot, you know? Um, yeah. And like, you know, the, the the words Academy Award winner, Chloe's out, like rolling yeah. out from the, the like the horizon. <laughs> yeah. They better, let's just say, because I mean, how Kevin Feige, how many Oscar winners do you have directing your movies? Yeah, first one. <laughs> so yeah, the trailer yeah. looks really cool. Uh, I spent the day kind of reading up and looking at like breakdown videos of the trailers um, of people like you know breaking down who's playing what. And um, Gemma Chan's character is Cersei, um, who. So the big overall arching theme of the Eternals is that these are like cosmic beings that were the basis of a lot of mythology for planet Earth because they came and they like jumpstarted civilization in ancient yeah, times. Yeah, around the world. Yeah. This seems like what that is, which is a very cool idea and makes a lot of sense yeah. why the cast needs to be so diverse, right? Yeah. Um, And they are typically not, they don't get involved with humanity, <laughs> except now. Yeah. Something. Well, apparently in the lore, um, Thanos is technically an internal as well because they have the same roots. So, what? yeah. Um, but yes, um, Gemma Chan like plays he has balls on his face, though. <laughs> and why is he purple? And why is Gemma Chan so sexy? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they'll explain that in the in the movie. But yeah, Gemma Chan plays Cersei, who is um, the basis of Cersei, the witch of Greek mythology of the of Odyssey. Uh-huh. Um, Dong Li from Train of Busan plays Gilgamesh, um, the original hero of Babylon. Kamel Nanjiani plays Kingo, who I'm not sure who. Like who he inspired in mythology, but in the film, I guess he's a Bollywood star because he has like that dance number. So good. <laughs> I need all of that. Just clip, you know, like a super cut of all of his stuff. Yeah. And then you have um like I I forgot how many like movie star movie stars were in this movie. Yeah, too. Angie's in this. She looks really good. <laughs> um I think Selma not Selma Hayek, um is it yeah, it is Selma, Selma Hayek, Hayek is back. Yeah. Um, she looks really good in this too. You know, Brian Tyree Henry's in this. He's always great to watch. It's like kind of unfair how stacked this cast is. Yeah, it's a little and crazy. Like, 
And looking at the shots too, featured in the trailer, you can definitely see like Chloe Zhao's um aesthetic touches. Oh yeah, on the it's film vibes. Well. Planet Earth has never looked the hotter. Um, yeah. It's just really interesting. I mean, also, like, Harish Patel is also in it. That's really fun. Like, the dad from Four Weddings and a Funeral, the series. Um, but it's it's it would be very interesting to see how she works with this cast. Because her whole, Chloe Zhao's whole thing is that she, like, is, like, the maestro, maestro of working with, like, non-professional actors. Mm-hmm. So... I'm really interested to see whether it's like, oh, like if that's what she can do with non-professional actors, you know, she's going to like, this is going to be insane. She might be getting some of the best performances from a Marvel movie, like in a Marvel movie of all places, or it could be like, maybe there's something missing. I don't think it's going to be the latter though, because (laughs) I mean, this, this cast is just so talented. And she is very good too. Yeah, so. I feel like it won't because like Marvel, like especially Kevin Feige, is not afraid to switch directors if things aren't working out. And so I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not. Yeah, you're not getting ready for your Oscar winner. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's also just like it's how interesting it is. Like we're gonna mesh a Marvel mega property with like slow aesthetics and like vibes of Vistas. Chloe Zhao. Yeah, I'm yeah. like that's. Super interesting. Are we gonna get just like a chill superhero movie, like a chill one hundred million dollar superhero movie? I mean, if it gives us more awesome shots of like the Hang Gardens in Babylon, I'm all for that. Like, give me artsy CG background. Yeah, it was funny because some people were like, "That was just establishing shots," and I was like, "But they were great establishing shots." <laughs> um, also, that's why it was a teaser. Uh, so, yeah. um, consider us yeah. teased, Kevin Feige. Consider us we- teased. <laughs> I'd say we definitely want. We want more. Yes. Just show we us more. more. Show us more. All right, Jess. What's your story? All right. It's been a really busy month of Henry Golding news. Good for you, sir. Happy for you. He's also a new dad. So congrats, boo. Your baby looks real cute. Um, but what we care about is there has been report. It's been released that Henry Golding will be starring in a modern adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion opposite Dakota Johnson of destroying Ellen DeGeneres fame and you know what I right off the top we want it I think that's such a natural fit for Henry Golding and his charm he was literally born to play an Austin love interest and I feel like this is just giving people what they want like don't fight it don't fight it are you sad that this isn't going to be a period Austin adaptation uh, yeah I mean I always want like color conscious period films um but you know, that's not to say he can't do this again at another Austin project and just. That's true. All right, I have another question. Project, right? Um, what is persuasion? And I don't even really know. <laughs> I think it. I'm like more familiar with Emma. I'm more familiar with Pride and Prejudice. But like, you know, he's going to be the love interest or the cad, and I think it'll be fun to see him in well, either. He's going to be Mr. Elliot. Who I don't know who Mr. Elliot's going to be. I I will. Oh, he's going to be Mr. Elliot. Interesting. Okay, so I w- I will tell you what okay, persuasion go, is. Give me the lesson, Han. Uh, um, it is the last full novel that Jane Austen wrote. So they a lot of people proclaim it as her most mature one, and it definitely is as far as its protagonist because um, Anne Elliot, which is the woman, <laughs> the female protagonist in the book, um, and the guy is hold on. Frederick Wentworth, um, they're actually engaged when she's like a teenager or something. Um, but because of her very persuasive, snooty family, 
they convince her to break off the engagement because he poor. Um, and mm-hmm. so several years later, there is a reversal, of course. And so um, I guess they have to sort of reconcile because she's always been in love with him. But, you know, why does he want someone who rejected him, especially for being poor and now he's rich? Um, if he is Mr. Elliot, then I re- wonder if they've gender flipped it, the roles, uh, unless he is oh. playing, the, unless he's playing the dad. But so I don't think he's going to play Dakota yeah. Johnson's dad. Yeah, no, well, it's there, a modern he's, adaptation. So yeah, he's yeah. clearly he's clearly the love interest. But um, but I'm wondering if let's say he's the one who rejected her, and I don't know if they would be still doing it for like monetary reasons, or if they'll have to figure out other reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very interested in it because it is the idea of them being in love when they're really young and then reconciling again. And sometimes those like play better for me because there isn't that sort of instant chemistry that sort of like I don't understand why you're together, that Romeo and Juliet type of thing, without actually having a basis of uh compatibility. So anyone anything where it's like exes getting together, there's history. There's hurt, and then there's also having to reconcile. So everything you said just sounds mm, delicious. I, yeah, yes, I, we want it. I am excited if he's going to play the ingenue character with like the shitty family. <laughs> this is mom going to be played by Michelle Yeoh again? Can you know we what? Dream? That's fine. Let's just do it. It's <laughs> Every fine. Time. It works. Let's just make it happen. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh deserves great roles too. You know, let's just do it. Henry Golding's having <laughs> such a month though. Did you guys see the um the Snake Eyes trailer? <sighs> Did I? <laughs> Let me just tell you. Okay, first of all, when I was a kid and I watched GI Joe, Snake Eyes was my favorite character. Um, he was a. I, I've always liked brooding characters, and apparently, characters that don't speak and have like really, you know, like intense eyes um, or stares, sort of like Racer X. I was really into him, also. But um, this one is just. It's so good because he, not only is he being badass in it, but there's Andrew Koji. <laughs> yeah sorry just had to go off i mean i honestly could care less what this movie is actually about who cares <laughs> who gives a shit like yes i will yeah i'll watch it i showed Wait, my partner the trailer and Don't she was care. disappointed that there was no um shirtless scene in the teaser. i know that's rude i mean come on give the people again give the people what they want okay you've had like You've had like women running around in action movies in like the flimsiest tops and high heels like take off your shirt dude take off your shirt Sorry, I didn't come off too aggressive. No, there. I mean, no. you know he's been working out for this. Just show off the yeah. goods, right? Let let him <laughs> Exactly. It it would be rude to not appreciate all the hard work <laughs> that Henry Golden's <laughs> used to get ripped for this film. <laughs> and we should appreciate him. Yeah. And Andrew Kochi. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Um my first story, there is gonna be a new Ultraman um, animated feature um, developed by Netflix. Um, it's going to be the first, I guess, um, domestically grown Ultraman series um, ever. Um, Ultraman, of course, is the Japanese superhero. It's basically the mask, like the mask vigilante, like mask superhero genre of like Japanese pop culture. Um, the things that spawn things like Mass Rider and the Power Rangers. Even even if you haven't heard of Ultraman, you've seen Ultraman's like um influence in pop culture 
So Netflix is partnering with um, Suburaya Productions to produce Ultraman as a CG animated film. And it'll be directed by Shannon Tindall, who will make his directorial debut. Um, he also worked as an animator on Coraline and Kubo and Two Strings, which is a film, while perfectly competent, was a film that I did not personally see for just personal representation reasons. You understand. Um, it's yeah, it's, you've probably made the right choice. Um, it's problematic. Uh, speaking of Kubo, though, the script is written by him and Kubo and the two screens screenwriter, Mark Hames. Um, but it'll be co-directed by John Aoshima, who is Japanese-American. So at least that's one saving grace. Um, this is a tough one, but I got to ask, do we want this? I have no, like history with Ultraman to be honest but I mean I know it's like a big deal to a lot of people and this does seem like the best case scenario of how it's going to happen <laughs> in terms of you know they are you know there is a JA um, co-director which is like more than a lot of animated projects can even say and it's I know they're going to cast like authentically and appropriately this time. So maybe like the dude at the, you know, the other directors like learned his lesson. Hopefully. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's exciting. I'm, I, my Ultraman friends seem to be very excited about this. Like my friends who are into Ultraman. So I'm happy that they're happy. So I think we want it. <laughs> I, I want it because I want to see what a modern retelling of the story is. Um, I'm, Still, like, there's there's something innately triggering when someone brings up Kubo and the Two Strings and people attach to that film. And, you know, you want to hope that they've learned their lessons, or at least people who worked on it, like, have learned their lesson of, like, let's be more conscious when we write or do projects like this. But do we still like Avatar, the last Airbender series? See, I don't have a Either strong connection with them so i i don't either can answer you do you <laughs> they're getting a whole studio at nick guys <laughs> yeah. i know it's the same issue that we ran into when we talked about that piece of news which is there's this opportunity now to tell stories that are asian flavored um <laughs> but how confident are we that the people in charge and making decisions will like make it like make it more than that right more than just asian set dressing and flavoring and actually like Asian ingredients if you want to use like use this food metaphor right yeah as as, as long as the chefs have Asian uh, are Asian <laughs> and um are Asian trained perhaps yeah I don't have an Ultraman um relationship either I feel like I watched it way back in the day and it really wasn't quite my thing uh but yes I will I mean, yeah. allow it the it's more dudes- the better yeah, I mean, it's, it's guys in suits fighting kaiju. Yeah. That's the basis of it, and it's awesome. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. All right. Um, Han, do you have another story for us? Uh, okay. So, Greta Lee will star in, write, and EP um, a series adaptation. Not just a movie, but a series adaptation, which kind of makes more sense, of Kathy Park Hong's book, Minor Feelings. And it's with our friends, the friends of Asians, A24. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't, they're, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, A24, just a reminder for anyone who, who might have forgotten the last time we talked about this. Uh, it's a production company that has been very, very good to us as far as making and um, producing some fantastic Asian American movies, but also um, series. They're not 
solely Asian American projects, but all the other things they've been doing too are great. Um, when it comes to uh, movies, you might remember a movie called Minari um, and The Farewell. Yeah, I mean, the, the last few like Asian American like hits Sundance critical darlings, darlings have been yeah, have been a24 yeah they are also you know in bed with they are making that series with steve young and ali wong uh, written by an asian you know asian american writer as well like they they've tapped they know they know i mean yeah. it's not all altruistic i'm sure we're making them a shit ton of money too but, um, but at least their like their business model values our stories which is more than we can say for other major studios right yeah right right and they're you doing know, it well <laughs> and and it's not just asian stuff also on tv they're they produce rami i believe but then also one of my new favorite shows is z-way on showtime so oh my uh, god check yes. it, check her out um but anyway so minor feelings uh if you haven't caught this book in the past year or so i think every one of us needs a copy i have mine on my shelf so yeah um minor feelings getting adapted do we want this i think we do i think we really 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 want this i mean um minor feelings came out what a year ago two years ago it was really recent yeah um and since then it's been on every single like every i mean granted it's for a shittier reason but like this this past year whenever something like bad things have happened to our community and we encourage people to read about it because that's all we can do sometimes it's on like minor feelings it's on the top of the list of like books you should read to get a f- idea of the types of like microaggressions that we deal with because like minor feelings is kathy park Hans, um collection of essays that form her memoir that talks about her growing up as a minority and it's, it's, it's a very specific experience that um Granted, it's not my experience. It's not Jess's experience because we didn't grow up amongst white people. Um, but it is a common experience for a lot of Asian Americans in the country. And it's a very, like, she's a very powerful writer. And it's a very, it's a very cathartic book, even if it isn't, like, your experience. Yeah. It, it, it might mean also it's a little bit sometimes harder to watch or read the book. Um, but I think it, it's going to be good to have that sort of honesty. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why it's it's interesting that Greta Lee is attached to this because she's a comedic actor, right? She is. And yes. she's actually one of my favorite comedic actresses. She's very funny, yes. Currently, she's probably best known as the sweet birthday baby girl from um, um, Russian, <laughs> Russian Doll. Doll. Um, but she's also, like, she's developing, is she still developing her K-Town HBO show? Is that still oh, who on? knows, man. <laughs> HBO development, like they're not on it. They're not on the regular development schedule. They can do whatever they want. But um, I mean, I, she's, <laughs> I know her from like the, her episode of what we do in the shadows. <laughs> yes. Like she's, she's very funny. She's a very funny character actor. Um, so I do wonder what the tone of this show is going to be. I actually would love it. It was like a very dark humor, like kind of like exploration of race and yeah, of, of Asian American like oppression. Because like the book is pretty bleak sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a like like Kathy Park Hong is pretty like cynical, right? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm interesting to see what that clash. Yeah, will because it's also us. like the showrunner is Christina Lee, who yes. is the showrunner of. She's uh, great too. She does comedy, so that's yeah. what she does. Dark comedies like Search Party, and um, you know, she did love made made for love, yeah, which is like you know very bleak. The concept is very bleak, so and the I tone can, is definitely. I mean, I can definitely. Dark humor. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see a series that like because. 
I mean, let's face it, American racism. It's sometimes it's you just you just have to laugh sometimes at how it's how so ridiculous. It is, it is right? funny. No, it yeah. is definitely so ridiculous. It's funny. So I mean, if it's either like to me, it's like you laugh or you cry, and I prefer to laugh because I cry enough on my own terms. So yeah. Yeah. I don't need a TV show to do that. I'm excited to see where this goes. I mean, it's it's we've seen memoir anthology. Master Nun is like this type of show, and like I'm looking forward to having a show of all that parent episode of Master of None. Yeah, that'd right. be great. And, you know, I, I think a point in favor of comedians or people who are very in touch with comedy, adapting things that are dramatic is I think it's easier to do it that way because I think comedy is so, you have to figure out tone so well for things to land, especially stand-up comedians. People who write their own stuff also um, are very clearly, you know, they know the power of words um, versus you can't always teach a dramatic person how to be funny. So uh, I, I would very much. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this and I'm sure it's going to be dark comedy. <laughs> also, like comedians are like always we all know this. They're high key the most like depressed people mm. usually. So, um, yeah. And racism is depressing. So, yeah, makes sense to me the more they think about it. <laughs> All right, Jess, uh, what's your next story? Okay, it's the, what we've been waiting for, the Patelissance. It's back on track, <laughs> A24. Again, our homies at A24 released the trailer for The Green Knight, which is supposed to come out in theaters this summer. I'm not going to lie. None of it made sense to me. There's a tree man. There's a talking fox. Dev Patel's wearing an axe, but I'm all for it. You know, um, I will... I will and we'll list some of the things that stuck out to me. Dev Patel and chainmail. Dev Patel tied up. Dev Patel swinging an axe. Dev Patel, um, you know, cutting like cutting the guys, the tree guy's head off. Again, does any of this make sense to me? No, but it is, uh, you know, obviously starring Dev Patel. We love a, you know, we love a fable like a like a white man's fable. Like King Arthur doesn't get more white than that. Literally, like. Anglo-Saxon myth-making uh, kind of being turned on its head starring, you know, a brown British man. Love that subversiveness. Um, he gets to be like an action star. He gets to be the hero. Um, it's a little, you know, gay and, again, always for that. So, again, don't really understand what's going on, even with <laughs> all the things I've read, but I will be watching this. Yes, I do want this. People are very excited, especially people who know the legend of the Green Knight, because, yeah, like Jess mentioned. Who knows the story of the Green Knight, Marvin? <laughs> who of your friends are casually just like, oh, yeah, I love the story of the Green Knight? Don't my friend, my high school friends especially, love Arthurian tales. Like they were paying attention during those classes. Like sure. during the old English cha chapter? Like, yeah. oh, that was like that was like second semester of senior year. Like I was not paying attention. <laughs> we read that, at that sophomore point. year, actually. <laughs> Oh, you guys are fancy. Oh, different school districts. Y'all are bougie. Okay. Yeah, I mean, my friends can probably tell you the difference between Sir Gawain and Sir Galahad and Sir Percival or someone. Yeah, I I hated Bedivere. all. <laughs> I hated all of the Arthurian legends. It was just full of tragedy and, and a lot of misogyny. Oh God, and I a lot hated of incest them. and a lot of rape. Yeah, I only like the Monty Python version. Yeah. Um. So, but this will be the second version I will like. So. <laughs> but I know a lot of people are excited because, because like Jess mentioned, there is there is some like homoerotic energy in this 
film. Yeah, there's like a lot of like sub. There's a lot of subliminal, like not so subliminal kink shit going on <laughs> in this trailer. Again, Dev Patel tied up. Um, Dev Patel talking to a fox. Like we're we're hitting the furries. We're hitting the bondage community. Um, also like great headwear just throughout this entire trailer. We, I love a good headpiece. And it's another one of those trailers where it's like a lot of establishing shots that are just beautiful to look at. Like these are some I like mean, it's an A twenty four movie, right? <laughs> these are some high quality like fantasy landscapes that we're getting from both Marvel and from A twenty four here. Yes. And, you know, I really, I'm, like, looking up the director. I really don't have, like, any relationship with David Lowry, the guy who wrote and directed this movie. It is really, my interest is really just riding on my love for Dev Patel <laughs> and the promise for some gay shit, which, you know, that that better come true. If it does not, I'm going to be pissed. But, um, yeah, very excited. And there is also Sarita Chowdhury, Chowdhury. Mm-hmm. Sarita Chaudhary is also apparently in this movie, and you know she just is legitimately one of the most like beautiful people on this place, fantasy like, like on the face of this earth. And like I always cite her as a reason why no racism exists because after that movie, Mississippi Masala with her and Denzel, like honestly <laughs> the hottest romantic relationship pairing in any movie, period, like any movie, race irrelevant, just the hottest coupling ever. How did she not become a megastar? She's like so beautiful. Like you look at her and you just like can't function. I'm like, and she did not get much work after that. I mean, racism, (laughs) racism. I mean, it it just goes back to, for some reason, the algorithms, the the modeling that A24 does apparently values Asian hotness more than other studios and yeah. they should just share their models with other studios they should yeah. <laughs> they should yeah they just like hey here's the eight <laughs> here's the a24 whiteboard here's the strategy hot asian in the middle <laughs> do you think their board is actually death patel plus beard equals money oh yeah that's a great strategy <laughs> for anything have you seen lion <laughs> holy shit uh shut up and take my money seriously a24 <laughs> All right. Our last story for the day. Um, Netflix is also on a roll of gathering Asian related properties. Um, so Netflix uh, has snapped up TV rights to Grace Lee's novel Portrait of a Thief. The book that's not published is going to be published in April 5th, 2022. It's based on the true story of Chinese art vanishing from Western museums. It's a story of friendships, the colonization of art, and the complexity of the Chinese American identity. And I, before I, before we ask ourselves if we want this, I, it feels like this film was manifested from Just Ju's brain. Because <laughs> weren't you on some like art kick earlier about like stolen Chinese art? Well, John Chu's supposedly making a movie out of this, the, the article that they wrote about this as well. So it's probably like the next wave of like, you know, Hollywood is very reactionary and there's always like three to four <laughs> projects of the same thing going on. Like there's like, 8 million Vincent Chin projects right now. This is like the next iteration. There's like four of these like art heist movies. I will watch every single one of them. I think they should all get made. Um, Because it's such an inherently interesting situation, right? Like yeah. a bunch of big ass, predominantly white museums in Western countries are getting their like Chinese artifacts robbed and it might be China. Like funding <laughs> these robberies. I was like, yes. They should yes, just make cause... this 
movie for all marginalized communities. Like, where's the um, the uh, where's the Aztec art heist movie? Where's the yeah you know, yeah? African oh my god, this should be movie. an entire anthology like movie series, like just like art heist of bitch, like people of like oppressed peoples taking back the shit that was looted from them. We got a little taste of it with like Black Panther, right? And like the scene with Killmonger. And it's true. It's it's all that <laughs> shit in museums was pillaged. There's a lot of legal battles about trying to get their shit back. There have been like international laws passed and like, you know, these a lot of these museums still won't give back the shit. I'm not trying it's to really tell funny. Disney how to make movies, but yeah. the next no, Indiana Jones <laughs> movie needs to be about him coming to terms with the fact that he's been stealing art from culture. That he's a looter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't know how much faith you should hold. They didn't quite they didn't, the last movie, let's say, was not great. When when Dora the Explorer, their movie <laughs> is like running circles around you in terms of the reps, you know, I think you got a problem there. I'm sure their budget, the Dora budget, was much smaller than the <laughs> Indiana Jones budget as well. Uh, you know, they confused Peru and Mexico, Quechua, Spanish. It was a hot mess. Like, and again, Dora the Explorer got it right. Oh, well, kudos to Netflix. Um, also oh, yeah. To- Can we also point out that Grace Lee is apparently currently a medical student at Stanford <laughs> University, and she will be executive producing while she is in med school. And I read that and I was just like, fuck you. Uh, can you not this is like the another like johnny kim astro dr johnny kim astronaut marine veteran well i please, mean please please no <laughs> yeah. my parents can see please no <laughs> have your parents seen it have you told your parents about this yet no 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 i Do don't send them this it? shit i don't send them this they shit. they no, intuit no, no. it they know that they someone know. else is doing better than you at a they, younger yeah, age they felt a ping in their hearts and oh god is she younger too well uh Oh God, I'm gonna go lay down now. I mean, I'm just assuming if she's just in med med school, like not finishing. So I don't know. I, I mean, she that. probably took like a gap year to do something noble or some shit. Oh, <laughs> I'm just making shit up now to make my feel myself feel bad. Let's 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 stop before I. I mean, before good, I go down further. Good for Grace uh, for getting this deal. Um, good job, Grace. It's not you. I'm kidding. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> Secure that bag, I guess. Um, get paid. She can use the advance on this to pay off her med school loans. Oh. I'm happy for you, Grace. Just do us proud, okay? Do us <laughs> proud. We got a lot to make up for those 100 years of humiliation. Uh, well, I guess that'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Um, lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more about your thoughts, where can they go? I'm on Just You Tweets on Twitter. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts. Check out our fellow Potluck members by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And with that, that'll do it for Asian Pacific American Heritage Month 2021 for us at Good Pop. We made it. Congratulations, everyone. We've made it through another May. Now back to our regular lives, I guess. What is that? <laughs> Just being Asian. Nothing's changed, really. Just being Asian, but not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 